Hey guys, welcome to the Anti-Macro Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Diana Lee. I spent years steeped in diet culture, obsessively weighing, measuring, and tracking my food. In 2019, I ditched macro tracking for good, and now I've made it my mission to help you swap diets for real food freedom. It's time to unfuck your mindset and stop letting food control you. Let's dive in. Eat less. That's what we've been told constantly by the dieting space. If you've ever been personally victimized by a low calorie diet, this episode is for you. I'm going to get real about why slashing your calories is doing you more harm than good, why eating more just might be what you need, and how to get started. Let's get into it. It sometimes bewilders me that I still have to speak out against super low calorie diets. I personally surround myself with content that aligns with how I view health and nutrition. So to me, it feels like low calorie diets are going out of fashion. It's not until I step out of that bubble and interact with someone in, let's say, a Facebook group or I do a nutrition consultation that I am reminded that low calorie diets are still very much a thing. Why is it that if there are so many fitness professionals now speaking out against low-calorie diets that they still reign supreme? Weight loss is a cultural obsession. Diet culture has evolved over the years, but the underlying message has always stayed consistent. Reduce your calories and cut out foods in the pursuit of being thin. For me, growing up in the 90s and the 2000s really cemented that message in my brain because that's when the ultra-thin look was in style. In college, I had a cutout of a Victoria's Secret model on my bulletin board as a motivator to work out and eat as little as possible because that's what I perceived at the time to be a quote-unquote ideal body. Even now, despite big butts being the new body type trend, you still see very thin waists, thin arms, thin legs. We've been told all of our lives that thinness is desirable. And so as a result, we seek methods to achieve thinness. And thus the diet and fitness space has provided us methods to achieve this goal. We have also been trained to want instant gratification. We can get things off of Amazon delivered to us on the same day that we ordered them. Our attention spans are way shorter due to our social media usage that we can't be bothered to watch a video longer than three minutes. There's no judgment, guys. I'm literally talking about myself when I say these things. I am definitely not immune to this concept. So take our short attention spans and the need for instant gratification and pair that with marketing that promises fast and drastic results. The diet space is notorious for doing this. We are inundated with six-week challenges, 21-day fixes, and before and after transformation photos that are impossible to achieve in the time that they say they did. It might sound like I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but I swear this brings us back to the original point of why we are still being peddled low-calorie diets. They are a quick way to lose weight in the short term. Many of the diets that you are marketed are not intended to be done for the long term. They're intended to produce drastic results in a short period of time so they can use your before and after photos to market their programs and products to more people. I want you to take a moment to reflect on your diet history. You might want to even pause this episode to take some time to answer these questions and really address your history with dieting by looking it dead in the eye. 
How many diets or programs have you done that you stuck with for a year or more? Can you think of any diet or program that you've maintained consistency with for an extended period of time? I am not talking about an on-again, off-again relationship with a diet where over a three-year period, you would like start and stop again. I am saying truly, have you done something that changed your life and stuck for you? What diet or program did you stick with for six months to a year? How many diets have you done that only really lasted for less than six months? How many have you done that are short-term, but you continue to repeat them because you've had good success when you're doing them and maybe even shortly after, but you eventually slip back to your old habits? What you'll come to find is that you've probably tried a host of things and they were all short-lived. Diets and restriction in these quick fix programs that fixate on your weight loss being the ultimate end goal will more often than not fail you in the long-term. There's a few reasons why super low calorie diets do not work that I want to explain. The first reason is because if you are consuming fewer calories than is required for your body to sustain itself, your metabolism will slow down. Now your caloric deficit will no longer yield weight loss results, and you may instead find yourself at a plateau or possibly even weight gain. This effect can even persist after you've stopped your calorie restriction. This is why you may hear myself or other coaches talk about using a reverse diet to slowly rebuild your calories back into your diet to help your metabolism, but I'm not going to jump ahead. I'm going to talk about that later. Some more biological impacts low calorie diets can have are the negative impacts on your hormone and gut health. This can be an entire episode in itself, so I'm going to stay brief with just a few examples. For one, chronic dieting can elevate the body's cortisol levels, which is your stress hormone. A rise in cortisol can trigger the body to retain fat, particularly in the stomach region. Another example is the impact caloric restriction has on sex hormones. For women, that could mean a loss of period or irregular cycles, which can negatively impact fertility down the line. In terms of gut health, chronic calorie restriction can increase the development of harmful bacteria in the gut while decreasing nutrient absorption. These are very high level examples, but what you really need to know right now in this episode is that when you significantly damage your hormones or your gut health with consistent chronic dieting, you're going to have a much harder time with your overall health down the line. You need to think of your health in the long term. Focusing on being thin now at whatever cost it comes at can result in you battling your body years later. Another problem is low calorie diets can negatively impact your relationship with food. These diets require restriction to a degree, and the lower you go in calories, the greater restriction required. You may enlist a few strategies to make this happen. One strategy is to avoid foods that you love in effort to not waste calories on them. This behavior rarely works in the long term, and you're more than likely to end up binging on the restricted food or other foods, which then results in more restriction. It's this cyclical pattern. Another strategy is to allow yourself these off-limit foods, but you're creating a trade-off scenario. That could look like not eating properly to save up for a cheat meal, or when you do eat these off-limit foods, you compensate with additional exercise to burn off those calories. Restrictive behavior, however you go about doing it, can warp the way you think about food, which can create fear, anxiety, and guilt around eating. 
I can talk about the downsides of severe caloric restriction until I am blue in the face, but for as long as trainers, programs, and apps keep assigning 1200 calorie diets to people, you're going to continue to believe that becoming a healthier you means slashing your calories to shrink your body. And I want to get you out of that mindset. I want to shift your mindset away from what can I eliminate from my diet to how can I add to my diet and away from how can I shrink my body to how can I nourish my body? And that's exactly the problem. Notice how I said that you believe a healthier you is associated with existing in a smaller body. You have been trained for years by a fat phobic society to nitpick your body and to view larger bodies to be unworthy or even unhealthy. Let's make something really clear. A thin body is not automatically a healthy one. I'm sure you all have that one friend who can seemingly eat whatever they want and not gain weight. Maybe they don't exercise and they consume alcohol or junk food in excess, and yet their body is assumed to be healthy because they are thin. Maybe you don't have that friend because that friend is you and this is your personal experience. I want to share the flip side of this story. I have had a thin body all of my life, despite my body dysmorphia having me think otherwise. In college, I was thin, but I was addicted to smoking cigarettes, binge drinking every weekend, and as a vegetarian, I was consuming man-made meat replacement products filled with crap while restricting my intake. But I exercised quite a bit and I was considered to be the fit friend because I was dedicated to waking up to going to the gym at 6 a.m. before my 8 a.m. class or I'd go for a run the morning after a drinking session. I was thin, but you cannot hear me say all those things and then argue that I was healthy. Now, after college, I quit smoking cigarettes and I got serious about my nutrition and fitness. I was counting my macros and eating clean Monday through Friday, but then I would binge eat and binge drink on the weekends. I was exercising constantly. I taught two spin classes a week. I did CrossFit about five to six days a week, and then I ran three days a week. I had a six pack and I was incredibly lean, but I wasn't healthy. I had a horrible relationship with food. I was restricting my calories and foods I could eat. I was riding the cyclical binge and restrict train, and I was constantly over-exercising, but at the same time, I had people telling me that I had their goal body, but I wasn't healthy. You have been told that being thin will solve your problems, and then you've been given unhealthy means of achieving thinness through calorie restriction and bullshit diets. It's not health you're chasing, but thinness. Because you're chasing the goal of weight loss at any cost, you're more susceptible to fall for programs that promise you weight loss. And because we live in a diet-driven society, you don't know any better. You are looking to these programs to give you answers that you don't have. So you trust them to be the expert and guide you. When these programs tell you to eat 1,200 calories, you are trusting them, so you don't assume that they are leading you astray. But I'm here to tell you that they are. Any program that has you eating so little is a giant walking red flag. Because you've been told for so long to cut your calories, you're understandably terrified to even think about increasing your calories. You've probably even experienced it yourself where you feel as though you've eaten more and seen your weight go up and you made that association that eating more means you're gaining weight or getting fat. 
This is why the next part of this podcast is so important. I want to explain to you why eating more is actually beneficial for you and how to go about it in a way that is helpful to you and doesn't send you into a spiral. First off, part of the problem with focusing only on calories in, calories out as your nutritional approach is that you're skipping over learning what foods will nourish your body, help you feel satiated and provide you energy. So like if you ever hopped on the, if it fits your macros trend, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. The idea that as long as you eat the amount that you're supposed to eat, which is less than the amount that you burn, you'll lose weight. This is so outrageously misleading. What you eat matters. And yes, I'm the coach that's out here telling you that you can reach your goals while still finding real food freedom. But what my clients learn is that I stress having balanced nutrition as your foundation in order for you to eat whatever you want without it having a negative impact on you and your health. My clients can eat chicken fingers, but they're also regularly including three to four servings of vegetables daily. My clients can eat French fries, but they're also incorporating whole real food carb sources, such as grains, legumes, and potatoes majority of the time. There is a fact that you cannot avoid, and that is you need to take responsibility for nourishing your body with enough food and quality food majority of the time in order for you to feel good in your body and feel in control when consuming indulgences. If there is anyone telling you that the only thing that matters is how many calories you're eating, they're full of shit. One of the things I most commonly hear from people I speak to about food is I have a sweet tooth or I struggle with cravings. And this immediately tells me that there's a good chance that that person is restricting carbs or not eating enough. When I increase the amount of food that my clients eat and I help them to round out their nutrition with enough whole real foods, enough protein, carbs, vegetables, and fats, they report their cravings decrease and even disappear entirely. When their cravings do come back, they realize it's a signal their body is telling them that they need food and they know how to address the symptom rather than do what we are classically trained to do by dieting, which is to fight the urge. And to be fully honest, sometimes you're still going to have a craving for an indulgence and that's totally fine because when you're at a base level well-nourished, then you can indulge without fear of losing control and going overboard. Instead of diving into a deficit as your first order of business, consider what your nutrition currently looks like and how you can improve it by adding foods or making nutrient-dense swaps. For instance, the majority of food journals I review tend to be low in vegetables. My minimum benchmark is to aim for three fist-sized servings of vegetables each day, which is the equivalent to about a heaping cupful. By adding more vegetables, you increase your access to essential vitamins and minerals, as well as fiber, which helps you feel more satiated from meals, as well as helps you be more regular with your bowel movements. If you're exercising, have a look at your current carbohydrate intake. Deficits often slash this area when in fact you need carbohydrates to propel your energy in the gym. Some swaps you could make are shifting from consuming chips, crackers, and these calorie-dense carbs to eating more whole grains, oats, and fruit. I am not saying eliminate chips and crackers. I'm saying swap some of them out and ensure you're getting nutrient-dense carbohydrate sources because these will provide you with better energy without a mid-afternoon crash. You should have a healthy variety of carbs in your diet, such as fruits, grains, legumes, beans, potatoes, yogurts, oats, the works. 
The only time you need to avoid a specific carb is if you don't like it or if your body doesn't respond well to it. But otherwise, you should be able to add all kinds of carbs to your diet without having a negative impact on you and your health. Next, have a look at your protein intake. Protein right now is the hot topic. What I'm seeing a lot of is that people are putting a heavy emphasis on protein intake, and I love that. What I don't love is where you're getting your protein from. Because these macro calculators are providing these high protein targets, I see a lot of you turning to products to get your protein in. I'm talking about protein bars, protein powders, protein cookies, etc. There is a problem if the majority of your protein is coming from a packaged food item or a shake because these products lack micronutrients, vitamins, and minerals, but they also include additives and such. You're hitting your numbers for the sake of hitting numbers without focusing on the quality of food source that you're getting your protein from. This is where I encourage you to opt for more whole food sources to help provide increased satiety and micronutrient intake, and then use these products sparingly to help you boost your protein intake. Finally, have a look at your fats. Fats people either fear or they've gone full-blown keto. You're either in the fat makes you fat camp or you're shoving fat bombs in your face at the end of the day to hit ketosis. It's like there's no in between anymore, but fats are still so important because they make up your hormones. So when you cut these out, you often see a disruption in your hormones. There's also different kinds of fats, such as anti-inflammatory fats and inflammatory fats. And it's important to have both in your diet, but balance is key. Make sure you're incorporating an array of healthy fats, such as avocado, oils, olives, cheese, egg yolks, nuts, and seeds, while also living a little and letting yourself have butter and Nutella once in a while. Fats also take longer for the body to digest, which improves satiety from meals as well. I mention an increase in satiety a lot because what's happening is that when you focus on meeting your calorie or macro intake, but you're using packaged foods to get the majority of your nutrients, then you end up hungry. When you're hungry, you have to battle yourself to not eat, which ultimately will lead to some kind of binge down the line. Food products have a tendency to be more calorie dense. So while they contribute to your overall intake, they're not keeping you full or helping you feel satisfied at the end of your meal. This is why you're struggling with cravings or overeating because your meals at a base level are not helping you feel satisfied. When you increase your intake of whole real foods, then you can incorporate the packaged foods in moderation because you have a lot more control over your cravings and food impulses. Assessing your current nutrition and identifying areas to make a change is easier said than done, I know. You may feel like you're doing all the right things, so as a result, you can't think of where you can make any adjustments. Something that I do offer is free nutrition consultations, during which I can review a day of eating and I can provide you feedback on specifically what changes you can make to improve your nutrition. I'll drop the link for that in the show notes if you do want to take advantage of this. The next piece that I want to talk about is that being your healthiest self means having a healthy relationship with food, and you cannot heal your relationship with food while you're in a deficit. This is a situation where you cannot have your cake and eat it too. Calorie deficits require a level of restriction no matter how you cut it, and you cannot heal if you're still restricting. 
A calorie deficit or diet will only exacerbate your problematic relationship with food, especially if lack of progress according to the scale or a bad body image day can easily send you into a mental spiral and cause you to engage in harmful eating behaviors, whether it's further restriction or a binge. Increasing your food intake can give you the flexibility to find food freedom and really explore eating foods that may have previously been off limits without guilt. I already mentioned how oftentimes we need to increase our consumption of food, particularly whole real foods, in order to eliminate cravings and learn control around food. You may even need to increase how much you eat simply so you can finally recognize real hunger and fullness. Think about it. If you've dieted for an extended period of time, chances are you have actively ignored your hunger signals and done everything in your power to shut them up without the use of food, like drinking obscene amounts of water or something like that. You might not even know what fullness feels like because you're either always under eating and thus never feeling full and satisfied, or you're in a binge and you're overeating and only experiencing feeling overly full. In order to connect with your body cues and truly understand them, you need to let yourself eat enough food to be comfortably satisfied. Sometimes that also means you have to eat enough food to be overly full, to know where that boundary lies. And you need to also just redevelop those hunger cues. The other big misleading phrase that you're being told is eat more, weigh less. I'm going to admit right now that this is shit that I used to say, and I hate it now. And here's why you cannot guarantee to somebody that because they eat more food, it will directly result in weight loss. Once again, this is that fixation on health being synonymous with weight loss and weight loss being the ultimate end goal that we want to achieve. You might gain weight by eating more food. You might not see any change in your weight, or you may lose weight. I've made it clear that what you're eating matters and that it doesn't just boil down to increasing your overall calorie intake, but increasing the whole real foods you eat. We cannot predict what your weight trajectory will be because there are other factors that can impact your body's response to more food, such as sleep, stress, hormones, and such. Not to mention if you are currently underweight. Or if you're just simply at a body weight that is not natural for your body to be at when it is well-nourished, then yeah, you might gain weight when you're finally nourishing your body. And gaining weight does not have to necessarily be a good or bad thing. It can be neutral. So while I can't tell you exactly how eating more food might impact your physical body weight, what I can tell you is that if you want to feel more nourished and heal your relationship with food, then eating more with intention will absolutely help you do that. Once you begin to eat more and nourish your body, heal your metabolism, heal your relationship with food and find consistency with your eating habits, then you can ass assess where you're at and what's next. What you might realize is that you really enjoy eating more food and being able to enjoy the freedom of doing so. You feel more energized, you get better workouts and you no longer obsess over food. As a result, your priorities may shift and you might realize that you're not willing to diet for a smaller body after all, and that's okay. You might also realize that dieting will trigger you to go back to harmful behaviors and mindsets so you resist going down that path because you realize you're better off accepting your body as it is. You may also still want to lose weight, and that's okay, but at least now you can go about it in a healthier way. 
Regardless of the direction you ultimately go in, I do believe that learning how to truly feed your body what it needs will transform your perspective on what you want out of life and how food ties into that. This shift in perspective makes you a lot more in control over the actions that you take. You're able to now think independently outside of being obsessed with your physical size and what diet culture tells you because you know what it feels like to have a nourished body and you now are more aware of what kinds of thoughts and behaviors are harmful for you and your health. I know for me, learning that I could eat more and still love the body I'm in was life-changing. I would still struggle with thoughts about dieting for some time during my journey, but every time those thoughts came up, I would walk myself through what it would be like to diet again and whether or not I wanted that for myself. So it would go something like this. I would get the thought in my head that I wanted to chase a goal of getting lean again or manipulating my body in some way to make it smaller. I would consider what it would take to do that and ask myself if it was something I really wanted to commit to. Did I want to go back to tracking my food? Did I want to go back to paying close attention to what I ate? Did I want to go back to weighing myself? Did I want to change how I ate on the weekends? Were these sacrifices I was willing to make for a certain look? I realized that as I guided myself through these questions, the answer would often be no. I didn't want to go back to my former self because I was miserable Having a lean body and a six pack never made me a happier person. What made me a happier person was letting go of all the diet baggage I carried. I was so much happier not overthinking my weekends and being able to eat without tracking or being concerned about the amounts that I ate. In the end, discovering happiness outside of dieting helped me release the need to diet and control my body. A final point I want to talk about when it comes to the benefits of eating more is how it pertains to exercise. I am loving the fact that people are beginning to focus more and more on getting strong over skinny, but I'm seeing a lot of people still making the mistake of eating very little while lifting weights. Women are being given a conflicting message of, yes, queen, strong over skinny, but then also don't lift too much because it'll make you bulky. Or if you put on too much muscle, you'll look like a man. As a result, you're attempting to lift heavy while still keeping your body small through limited amounts of food, and you're negatively impacting your ability to grow muscle, get strong, and realize your true potential. As much as I want to say the common message of weightlifting will not make you bulky, it still screams diet culture to me. Who the fuck cares if you put on muscle and someone else thinks that you look bulky? Why are we letting the concept of being bulky define what is and isn't feminine? Why can't you go to the gym fuel your body and reap the benefits of your hard work without some negative connotation trying to hold you back. Let's shake off this patriarchal mindset and embrace our body in whatever shape and size it ends up being as long as we are strong and healthy. Now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about specifically how eating more is going to contribute to better performance and results in the gym. Protein is the obvious one, right? Most of you already know that protein is incredibly important if you're hitting the gym. It is essential for helping your muscles repair, which is the action that helps them grow. 
The problem is, is that when you don't eat enough of other foods, then your body needs to dip into its protein stores for energy, leaving less available for your muscle recovery and growth. Your body's preferred energy source is carbohydrates. I don't care what the ketos are saying. Your preferred source of energy is carbs. So if you're hitting the gym, you need to be consuming enough carbs to give you energy. Fats are also a source of energy, but they're like the backup energy source. And as I've already mentioned before, they also have purpose within your body outside of providing energy. When you start eating more and not just fixating on protein, but also incorporating enough fats and carbs, you'll be amazed at the energy you'll feel in the gym and the progress that you'll start seeing from your workouts. You'll also notice improved recovery. If you're eating enough, you should not be feeling obscenely sore and exhausted from your workouts. And let's let go of controlling your intake and lowering it on rest days while increasing it on workout days. Most of you are eating and exercising with the goal to be a healthy and functional human, not compete in high-level athletics. So there's no reason that you should be diving into carb timing, carb cycling, or intentionally fluctuating your calories eaten based on your calories burned. You'd be amazed at how smart your body is. It stores excess energy when it doesn't need it and can pull that storage out and convert it into energy when you do need it. Your body also tells you what you need. If you're hungry, you should eat more food. If you're full, you should stop eating, right? So if you're able to confidently read your body's hunger cues and fullness cues, your body can actually refine what it needs, refine how much you eat naturally versus using a calculator. And if you're hungry on a rest day, trust your body and eat. By now, I hope I've convinced you that this is in your best interest to eat more with intention, but you're probably wondering how to do that. So let's talk about reverse dieting. Reverse dieting is a strategy that we want to use when you have been at a low caloric intake over a longer period of time. To do this, you very slowly increase your calories over time. Since I coach using the hand portion method, reverse dieting can look like adding one to two portions of food each week. I might have a client focus on increasing protein one week and increasing carbs the next. I wouldn't recommend just diving into more eating without caution because you want to build your body up to consuming more and give your metabolism the opportunity to adapt. In the beginning, you might struggle to eat more and you'll feel really full because your body isn't used to eating that much and it can lead you to overeat and feel bloated. So instead, set a game plan on how you're going to tackle this and don't rush it. During this process, I would also let go of tying your progress to a number on the scale or anything superficial. The goal ultimately is to get you to a healthier set point. You need to mentally shift your focus to the long-term goal versus what's going on in the short term. You're taking this path because you want to give your metabolism a break from dieting. You want to heal your relationship with food or whatever your reason is. Reverse dieting is not a fat loss strategy. You cannot go into using this strategy assuming 
that you're just going to lose weight or you're going to lose fat. It goes back to the point I made earlier. We don't know how your body is necessarily going to respond. And there's no guarantees about the physical size of your body as a result of reverse dieting. But reverse dieting is a strategy that's often used as a precursor to being successful with fat loss, if that's truly what you're after down the line. Also, once you do reach the end of your reverse diet, do not immediately think that all is well and you can just drop your calories back down again and chase weight loss. You're going to need to sit at this higher level of food for a few months and maintain to truly give your body that reset and realize the benefits. It really helps to work with a coach through a reverse diet process because it can be mentally challenging to eat more when you've conditioned yourself or you've been conditioned to eat less for so long. It becomes hard to trust the process when you're in the middle of it and you can't see the direct benefit. And if you're still battling diet mindsets, you're going to have to fight the urge to bail on the strategy midway through. And to put it bluntly, I've had clients who are literally scared to eat more because they're terrified of gaining weight. So having a support system and someone you trust to guide you through the process can be the difference between you being successful on this or bailing and going back to dieting. Let's use my former client, Alexis, to demonstrate how we work together on her reverse diet. When Alexis started working with me, she was at about 1,500, 1,600 calories, and I helped her reverse diet to over 1,800 calories. She knew me, she trusted me, but she still had reservations about increasing her calories from all the diets that she had done before. There would be weeks where I would ask her if she was ready to add more food, and she'd very honestly tell me no, because she mentally wasn't ready. And that's okay. We would stay at whatever food level she was comfortable with until she was ready to add more, even if it did extend the timeline of the overall process. There's no rush to the finish line here. There's no need to rush through a reverse diet just to get to the end. It was so important for me to make sure that Alexis felt in control over her journey and that she didn't do something that she wasn't comfortable with. So that way we wouldn't risk a mental spiral or a setback. Sometimes adding more food was difficult, not because of her mindset, but the logistics of it. Eating more means you have to know where to fit in more food, what foods to do that with, and how to successfully make it happen. Part of this process is building habits that support feeding yourself more, whether it's tweaking your meal prep or adding a snack somewhere and knowing how to plan for it. In the end, Alexis did reach her goal of eating over 1800 calories, and that's exactly where she stayed because she felt really good at that level of eating, and it dramatically improved her relationship with food. When you increase your food intake and find food freedom through being able to let go of the constant restriction, a side effect is feeling empowered. When you start hitting PRs in the gym or start seeing muscle form, or you can go out to eat without stressing out, it can really transform how you think about food and even your body. Have that vision in your head of how powerful you can be when you're not so focused on shrinking your body, because that can help you overcome the mental struggle of consuming more food and how your body might shift and change in the process. You need more than 1200 calories to thrive in this life. And I want you to feel amazing in your body inside and out. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Anti-Macro Podcast. I hope you're feeling even more inspired to embark on a journey to truly nourish your body and break free from the cycle of dieting and restriction and shrinking yourself. 
If you've been enjoying listening, please leave a review. It helps other people find this podcast as well. Also know that my DMs and email are always open. So if you have any questions or comments or feedback, send them my way. You can find all of my contact info and socials in the show notes. I will catch you next week. Thank you for tuning in to listen to the Anti-Macro Podcast. I am so happy to be a part of your health journey. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're now one step closer to ditching diet culture and finding real food freedom. 